Hello, my name's Faye Lant and I'm the Young Writers Programme Manager at the National Literacy Trust. We're an independent charity and we aim to raise children's literacy levels across the UK. This year is our 25th anniversary and we're talking to inspiring writers about all things reading and writing. I'm absolutely delighted to introduce my guest, Patrice Lawrence. Hi, Patrice. Hello. I'd love to dive straight into chatting to you about Indigo Donut, sure. um, which is absolutely phenomenal. I think the thing that struck me most about it is you don't shy away from the, the gritty stuff, um, even though you're writing for kind of a young adult audience. Is that something you kind of do deliberately? I think so. I think if you're writing contemporary uh, books for contemporary young people, um, they won't be anywhere near authentic unless you clu- include events and moments that are relevant and authentic to them. Mm. So um, obviously, if it's young adult literature, I feel I have to have some to give a moral compass in it. You know, there are consequences. But on the other hand, I think as someone who's also worked in charities and with, with um, young people who've been involved in care and um, families have gone through child protection, there's many things that I want to say. So I thought if I couldn't say them, I wouldn't write the books. Yeah, no, that comes through. Actually. I mean, you, you kind of mentioned your own experiences of, of being looked after and things like that. Was that was Indigo's story a story that you were kind of really keen to tell because of your own experiences? Or? I think actually it's more from working in um, in the charity sector and... I think there are so many stereotypes around young people who have been looked after, mm. um, but also there are many challenges, and I wanted to reflect that in Indigo. But also I just sort of sit on buses all the time, and I just see these wonderful, funny, spiky, independent, caring young people, yeah. and I just want my books to be populated with them. Yeah, absolutely. No, I, I got your love of buses coming through, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Very familiar with those routes around Hackney. Oh, yes. <laughs> Um, I mean, London is something, again, it's another theme that comes across really strongly in both Orange Boy and, and Indigo Donut as well. Um, is there something about London that you kind of really wanted to, to convey to your readers? Oh, most certainly. I mean, I'm not a, a sort of um, natural born Londoner. I was born in Brighton and Sussex and kind of came to London in my late 20s to study as a, as a mature student, study at Goldsmiths um, to do English and history of art. So I'm kind of like a resident and a tourist at the same time. Right. And Aren't we all? <laughs> no, because well, <I> <laughs> so many bits you like you haven't seen. But there's something about uh, that I get a little bit irritated about is when you see films about London that are going overseas, and none of it looks like the London that I know. Yeah. You know, I go into a classroom in London, and there's all nationalities, yeah. all colours, all backgrounds, all accents. So many points of reference. Yeah. Um, and you don't see those in, in films a lot, and I thought that's what I want. That's what I want in my in my books. Yeah. Um, Just that reality of kind of that, this that, is the experience of being absolutely. in London, and living in London, yeah. and also the corners. You know, like in Undergo Donald, put the Horniman's Museum in there yes. in South East London. And, and the brilliant walrus, which we all love. <laughs> I know, the thing is, I kind of wanted that in there because it's like not Buckingham Palace or whatever, yeah, but yeah. I had no idea what I was going to do with it. Right. So I remember made my long-suffering daughter sort of traipse up to uh, Horn, because we're North Londoners, so you know yeah. we needed like an oxygen tank to go across yeah, yeah, the river course, to, to South London. And that's quite south. <laughs> so um, up this hill on this hot day, we had no idea. And the first thing we saw was a totem pole. Thought, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, so, a bit different. <laughs> and then we saw the, the walrus. Like, ah. And then we walked walked into the room for the taxidermy said, yeah. oh my goodness. <laughs> yeah, it kind of does take your breath away, doesn't it? A little bit eclectic. Absolutely. But we sort of, then we walked into the room with the tortured chair and the butterflies yeah. and saw the mask at the same time. And both me and my daughter looked at each other and thought, ah, OK, yeah. got it. Yeah, that's yeah. it. That's the yeah. story. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. Is that, are there kind of, what sort of things do inspire your writing? It's conversations. Yeah. 
Um, I, I mean, I'm not uh, do school visits. I kind of tell the story about how I was, I was actually editing Indigo Donut on the top deck of the 38 bus on the way to work because I'm so classy. Right. And um, I could just hear this conversation behind me. It's like um, two boys. So it's like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah. I'm not going in that chicken shop. Yeah, because the academy <laughs> go there, right? Yeah, and then I got in a fight. Yeah, and you got a fight. Yeah, and it's like I, I bottled him. It was, like a, it, was a, it was a plastic bottle. And like, oh. So like writing this down. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, went, and it did remind me. Then it got off and there were two young men who I didn't look like. Like they, they were obviously 16, 17 going to do their A-levels. Didn't look like the type of young men who regularly got into fights and survived. No. So I was like, love the bravado. I love the language. Yeah. Um, so quite often those conversations, yeah. I write them down. I put them on memos on my phone and then build characters around them. I think them. that's really noticeable. There's definitely some, there's a realism about your dialogue, especially, which kind of, yeah, I mean, having taught in Croydon classrooms, the, <laughs> the language used in those yeah. classrooms is is absolutely spot on. So that's, that's really interesting to hear, I think. And did you you used to write screenplays as well? Is, no, is I did. That, I did my masters in in writing for for film and TV, and I think possibly maybe both it comes off because I just love listening to voices mm. and maybe growing up in a household where my mum came from Trinidad and my stepdad came from Italy mm. so we're used to lots of different registers languages yeah. the way people express themselves so I, I just love listening to people talk where how did you start writing I always did I think I had a very unusual upbringing in that my mum came to Trinidad in from Trinidad in the um, mid-60s to train to be a nurse so she was the second youngest of 12 but she's the only one who came and that's how I ended up being born in Brighton she came to study in Brighton and then she met my dad who'd come from Guyana and they were quite young you know my mum was 20 my dad must have been 19 20 a little bit younger and it was like hey 60s you know so my mum became pregnant Uh, my mum and dad split up before I was born so my mum was like every adjective you didn't want to be sort of like unmarried black single mother no family in Brighton Um, so I was looked at what she organised is that I was privately fostered so I was looked after by a family in Whitehawk in Brighton from the age of four months to uh, four and they were lovely really really lovely taught me to read signed me up to a library really aspirational but um, I've always grown up as a as a person of colour in a mainly white society. Mm. So you can't necessarily articulate what that means because that's your normal. And obviously it's very difficult to talk about race even as an adult because you know, there's a lot of defensiveness. So I wrote. So I always wrote and I loved reading. And I loved, you know, I used to go through the library and read. I'm a bit of an obsessive. Okay. So if I, like a, if I like a writer or a story, I read all of them. You yeah, know? yeah. So I was like, like with all the Dr. Doolittles, which are actually quite problematic, those okay. early ones. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, if you sort of yeah, read some of those. But, you know, but I just love the stories. I, you know, read all the famous fives. Me um, too. They were my yeah. favourite when I was little. Absolutely. Then when I started uh, primary school in Haywood Tea, um, it was the um, it was a school library. It was um, all the swallows and Amazons. Right. And but I mean, all of those are quite problematic, actually, presumably as a person of colour. Um, well, you don't pick that up. Only the Doctor Doolittle is very, I mean, there's a particular illustration and a character of an African prince that is actually quite nasty. But right. you kind of park that somewhere, really, yeah, yeah. because there's nothing else. That's your reality. Yeah. You, you don't know. So you sort of just read and read. And I just loved story. I loved yeah. the wishing chair, Enid Blyton. Yeah. And my mum was a, is a massive reader, so... Her thing is she'd read a lot of classic books and give them to me to read. So she nice. loved like Little Women, yeah. uh, Wind in the Willows, which is still my favourite. Yeah. Um, and some of those kind of moralistic Edwardian books, like right. um, uh, Water Babies. is like, that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> um, you've got your uh, World Book Day book coming out which firstly I mean I can't believe how busy you must have been in the last (laughs) you've had two novels come out you've got a world book day book you've got your third novel due to be published next summer as well how are you fitting it all in 
Well, I gave up working full time. Um, I was working full time up until last year, September, which is why um, I did a lot of editing of Indigo Donuts on the 38 bus on the overground between <laughs> Dalston and New Cross. <laughs> I can edit anywhere. Um, and um, so that was just that that, com- that that combination of just having to fit things in where, where you can. Um, now I'm still trying to work out the balance because in a sense, this was my year of saying yes. Mm. So I've never not had a um, a job with an, with an employer before. I've yes. been freelance, so I was really, you know, really scared of not being able to to, to manage. So, did done lots and lots of school events, um, which is interesting for me because it's actually meeting the young people that I write about, yeah. but also being able to say that you know, coming from a working class background as a first in my family to be born in the UK mm. um, never seeing myself in books or never yeah. seeing writers like me writing books or even you know when the time I grew up you'd never see yourself in makeup campaigns yeah, or to, yeah, all right. of those things that actually I got to be a writer so yeah. to encourage young people to say you know your voice is you're, you're not reflected in the current curriculum yeah. in the same way that I wasn't in mine and it's not saying that the work that you study isn't good. Some of it is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It's great story writing. But actually, you've got fantastic voices as well yeah. that you could write your stories your way. Yeah. Um, so it's a real privilege to be able to to do that. Yeah. I'm sure, I mean, how important do you think it is for, for children and young people to kind of see writers who who they can see themselves in, who they identify with, who understand their context? How important is Absolutely. that? Absolutely. I think it is because I think... You know, another thing we you know we can say is that um, I mean I was lucky enough to to be a, a patron of reading at a school in Tottenham at Duke Aldridge, um, mm. just behind White Hart Lane, um, Palace, the building there to football, um, and you sort of walk into a class of young people, and you know the only two white young people there are probably Polish or Eastern European. So you're saying actually, you know, your realities and your stories and your heritage and everything that you think is really important. If you yeah. write it down, it's going to be amazing. Yeah. Um, and, you know, you can say, actually, when I when we write, one of the reasons I take my teenage diary into into um, <laughs> schools and read select pieces of it <laughs> is that to show, actually, when you write, you can do tables, you can do lists, we do, you do song lyrics, you know, you, you we don't talk in... Uh, sentences in a particular order Mm. so when we write we can make our characters express themselves however we want to we don't care if we can't spell because that's what technology is there for so how we express ourselves creatively is very different from analyzing Jekyll and Hyde and writing an essay about it no absolutely so it's really lovely to be able to say that say look you know I won these prizes and you know my stepdad was a kitchen porter my mum was a nurse you know so you you can you should because your voice is so important I've heard you talking before about kind of um, representation in children's literature and about the importance for you reading with your daughter as well when she was little. Mm. Um, how can you tell us that story? Yeah, I mean, my daughter's my daughter's dad's work. So my daughter's mixed heritage, and there's one thing about when I came to London, sort of London, sort of growing up where you know in a secondary school where that was 1,600 of us, maybe five or six weren't white, or so going somewhere mm. where it's much more diverse. But actually, it still isn't quite you know as idyllic as people would anticipate so in the first primary school she went to she's one of the only few mixed heritage children because mm. people tended to marry within their communities right so you know i would walk in like is that your mum? <laughs> <laughs> 
So she's grown up, as many mixed heritage people have, of being constantly questioned about her identity. So, you know, are you Spanish? Are you Colombian? Best one, like, are you North Korean? It's like, say yes, say yes. <laughs> yeah, you know? sounds brilliant. But she's actually learning Korean now, just as a homage. But then it was actually trying to find um, picture books that looked like our yeah. family. And even then it was like... Yeah. So I remember the first one that really resonated was uh, Tony Bradman's and Eileen Brown's um, Wait and See. And it's like a white dad and a black mum. It's like, whoa. And it's also it's like set in England or the UK. It wasn't an American yeah. one. It's like, you know, they're going to the post office. Really relatable. Yeah. Then another one was Helen Stevens. Um, oh, is it called What About Me? About a little girl called Katie. Um, who has spectacular red wellies, I think. And she's got, the cat's called Charlie, who's really upset because another cat, I think, called Arthur, is coming. And, right. and Charlie. But the little girl is kind of quite stylized with a bigger size head, but she had curly black hair, brown face. And my daughter, as a baby, a one-year-old baby, used to actually um, kiss that picture, thinking it was me. Aww. So I think, you know, don't tell me representation doesn't yeah. matter. Um, another time we found a... Um, uh, Oh, Nick, it's not Scarra, um Jarrett. Jarrett yeah, Jarrett. Yeah. Um, version of um, Goldilocks. Yeah. Um, and again, it was blonde dreadlocks and um, uh, brown and mixed-race child. And having this big argument with my daughter, who was aged four at that time, um, my daughter was saying, that can't be Goldilocks. It's like, why, why not? Because Goldilocks is white. This is a four-year-old. So, you know, so, one, yeah. I did win that battle, which was great, winning a battle with a four-year-old. Well <laughs> I'm just saying that <laughs> nobody's seen, thing, have it? you seen Goldilocks? No. Has anybody seen Goldilocks? No. So then people draw her a painter in her own image so yeah. she could be anything. That's it. But it tells you how early with young children, yeah. those expectations that you can't be something or yeah. something isn't set in, even if you've got a parent who is quite active. So for a lot of children, if they haven't, you know, where do you get those alternative viewpoints? You would get them at school through reading, all of those things. Mm. So that's why it's so important, you know, particularly for early years yeah. to, um, and also for, you know, for, for majority white children to see that children of colour can be anything. They can mm. be astronauts, you know, in they can be the boys can be librarians, the girls can play with cars. Yeah. All of that stuff has yeah, to yeah. be there so early. We were chatting just before we, before we started about your visits into schools and about your kind of tips for writing. Would you mind sharing them with us now? Well, yes. I mean, one of the things I when I when I go into schools, I do sort of tips for writing. So um, the first one I was saying, I, all, I, all, I do photos as well. So it's not a PowerPoint because I think I, you know I've sat through enough PowerPoints and yeah. and seen my life flash before my eyes. So I would not do that to a young person. So the, one of the things I sort of utilise my family. I say I've come from a family that's not like anybody else's. And as a child, you kind of wish you were like other people mm. and your families were like. But now, actually, the joy of, for instance, coming. I've never lived in a family where we're all the same colour. Um, so I want those families in my book. I want to say, you know, this is what it's like. Yeah. You know, loads of families are like that. I want to put that in there. So second thing is for me, it's like saying being a writer is like having 20 tabs open at the same time yeah. and everything is a story, every photo. So I spend a lot of my time doing what if, what if, all those conversations I hear on the bus, yeah. you know, about some guy dragging and a boy dragging another boy because his hair won't fit under his cap and then he's saying about his dad's up at three in the morning Ooh, I wrote that memo on my phone <laughs> yeah. so the third thing is record stuff write notes put a little memo on your phone even if it's just a phrase even if it's something you see because you can create that into a story um, next thing I think enter competitions if you can there's oh, right. lots of them about you know mm. there's 
Um, obviously, the BBC does ones. Um, there's Young Muslim Awards does, does ones. There's Wicked the Musical mm-hmm. does. Um, there's loads that happening yeah. at different times. So. I should probably say the National Literature Trust and the Premier League are working together on our writing styles competition. Brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely brilliant. You know, so there's loads of them around. And even if you don't get picked, it gives you a focus to write your story. And there's usually, you know, an, a teacher in your school who will be passionate to support you, which I, I yeah. found as well. So sort of find find those. And don't feel you have to finish stuff. Just write scraps of things, paragraphs, sentences, little bits of poetry and keep it. Yeah. Really keep it because you'll look back at it, even if it's in six months' time, and just realise you're much better than you yeah. think you are, that you are great. And just write it in a way that you feel comfortable. Find your voice. Don't f- I mean, a lot of us start off, I, I love Stephen King. So I started off writing bad uh, bad horror. Mm. I love um, Isaac Asimov, so I started off trying... Really, really bad sci-fi. There's a lot of bad teenage poetry in my diary. <laughs> but, you know, try it all. Just try it all. And yeah. then you'll find what, what fits you and what you enjoy. Can I ask you about... Oh, I haven't asked you, um, why young adult? It was an accident. Okay. <laughs> I Actually, do you know what? I did not know it existed. Um, I'd read books by... Uh, I'd read Patrick Ness's... Um, uh, Chaos Walking trilogy, but I didn't know it was young adult. I just looked at the back and thought, oh, this is good. <laughs> and just took it on holiday with yeah. me. I just did not know that existed as a category. Yeah, yeah. So I've been trying to write children's book uh, and kept sending various books to my agent. I was like, no, that's not good enough. And it wasn't. I just couldn't write a book. I could write short stories. Um, and so I thought, you know what? I can't do this. I really can't. So I'm going to write crime books. Um, I had two in mind. I was going to write one that was going to be set in Trinidad in the 1940s, just post um, Second World War, which is a really fascinating time. And the protagonist was going to be a 40 something woman, surprisingly. <laughs> and I had everything. I did so much, like, you know, research. And then I went, and the other one was going to be set in um, Hoxton Street in Hackney in the 1930s. So, again, it's a really interesting time. Um, so, I went on a crime writing residential course for Arvon. Yeah. And. Um, we were all given prompts because um, the exercise was with uh, crime. You've got to hide a clue. So you're going to get a prompt. So you sort of pulled it out of the, the, the hat. And the other people in the class would have to guess what your prompt was once you've written your paragraph. So my prompt was, um, he woke up dreaming of yellow. And I just thought, you know, <laughs> it's like a bit abstract. <laughs> um, you know, just think there's big sort of, you know, apocalypse and Simpsons in Springfield or something. <laughs> and so, what, 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 what am I going to write? It's like emerging from a Rothko painting. I don't, it was just really <laughs> odd. So, but then I just thought there'd been um, a teacher strike a couple of weeks before my daughter was in year seven at that time. Mm. And being a really responsible parent, I'd taken her to Hyde Park Winter Wonderland. And it was so expensive. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and she's a real, and, it's oh. ridiculous. But she's also a real hackney girl. So like, I'm not paying that. That is scamming <laughs> you. I know it is. It's terrible. She's like, well, I'm not six quid to go on that. Now your tummy just got, I know I'm not paying that either. We had a brilliant time, real bonding. And then we got to sort of got a bit hungry. And um, we, but then went to the cash machine. It's like one of those cash machines that charge you three quid to take oh, your money God, out. I was like, yeah. I'm not, I know I'm not paying. So we didn't pay. But we managed to find that like, enough, like five and 10 pieces. <laughs> between us <laughs> to get like one hot dog between the two of us <laughs> and that's suddenly oh mustard and fairground and fairground tokens ah. and also you know sadly there'd been a bit like now actually there'd been a spate of uh, stabbings mm. and, and, and deaths of young people in Hackney so that must I had no idea that was in my mind so I just imagine a six year old a 16 year old uh, young man he's 
watching this girl put hot, uh, mustard on this hot dog. He hates mustard. <laughs> He's going to have to like fight to keep that down. His body strength has to keep that in his stomach. But, you know, she's way above his league. And this is the first day. And he's just like gazing at her thinking, you are way above my Aww. league. And so suddenly I wrote that. And then because it's crime, you know, somebody has to die at the end. So the girl on the ghost train, she comes out, she's dead. And that was all I was going to write. And I thought, I really need to work out. Then just really, just through sort of free writing, I suddenly found out, his, well, his mum was always going to be a librarian, like mm-hmm. the highest calling of all. Also, again, at that time, I think, because there was um, lots of campaigning about Wilsdon Green Library, so I thought yeah. that was really important to have yeah, libraries yeah. in there. Um, he had an older brother called Andre, who had, 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 had a brain injury. I have no idea why. Okay. <laughs> Literally, it was just free writing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it took a and this, while this to put it together. this was Marlon in the end. This was your, your kind of inspiration for Marlon in Orange Boy. Well, it was, yeah. yeah. That first chapter ended up as Orange Boy um, after several drafts later. But that was where it started. Yeah. Um, and I had no idea where I was going with it. I wanted them to have a really sparky best friend, and that was Tish. Yeah. Um, and she was inspired, I think, by one of my daughter's friends at that time as well. And also um, the character, I think it was Lee in, uh, um, is it Beautiful Things? So Jonathan Harvey film and play that was set in Thamesmead and I remember watching that play it's about these two young white working class boys who end up having a relationship together right. yeah, and um, and Lee's played by Tamika Empson who's I think she's been in EastEnders but she's like this really you know powerful yeah. you know young black girl who's really into mamas and papas <laughs> right and she's just so memorable so she inspired tish and again just all these weird things in your brain come together at a particular time yeah. and then i went to my writing group and then jenny downham was a fantastic YA writer as part of my writing group and said oh patrice you're writing ya what is yeah. ya <laughs> no i'm not <laughs> well, i just didn't know what it was <laughs> And my obviously agent was very happy. Um, oh, I'd found my groove, I yeah. think, by that point. That but again, it. it was that thing about art. Oh, I can write about black families. Yeah. I can write about them in all their diversity. Yeah. Because I'd never thought that was acceptable before. Yeah. This is great. I mean, YA is absolutely phenomenal at the moment, isn't it? I, I have to say, I, I used to feel slightly guilty, like, oh, I should probably read a proper grown-up book now. But I just love it. There are so many good books to be reading. Yeah. Um, is, is there anything that's kind of out at the moment that you particularly enjoy in in the YA space? I can't. I, I struggle to read YA when I'm writing because okay. I'm really scared of uh, sort of plagiarising <laughs> other people's other people's work. Um, I know that Muhammad Khan, who wrote um, I Am Thunder, has oh, got a new book coming out called Kick the Moon, which is about a comic boy, uh, com- about a, a geek who's into sort of comic oh, books. Nice. Um, it's very funny, but also it's a bit about sort of toxic masculinity in schools yeah. and, and sort of being yourself. Yeah. So I've read a proof of that, which I really enjoyed. Oh, it was good. kind of very, very, it was funny, and um, but also got me quite angry, mm. uh, which I think it was obviously meant to do. Um I still love, even though it's out last year, I still love Lauren James as a loneliest girl in the universe. Yeah. I just, because I love sci fi. Yeah. But also, I think she's sort of, Remy Silver's such a fantastic character and it doesn't yeah. take you where you think you're going to go yeah, with yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I love Poet X by Elizabeth Acevedo, Acevedo, I don't know, which is obviously a book in poetry, a bit like Jason Reynolds' Long Way yes. uh, Down as well. Yeah. So, you know, there's been some really, and also the fact that now they're doing, um, Dean Atta is um, a performance poet a young black gay performance poet and his first YA 
Booking Verse is going to be coming out, I think, next year as Ooh. well. Okay, that's a tip so for the diary. <laughs> I think that's going to be really looking forward to that. So there's some really mm-hmm. fantastic stuff. Um, my passion, I suppose, is UK writers, because there is yeah. a lot of American writers. And they're all good, but I just think... The diversity in UK writers isn't necessarily explored as much as it could mm. be. And, and this is what we need to do to encourage the next generation of UK writers. Yeah. But hopefully, hopefully. Yeah. Thank you so much, Patrice, for being here with us today. For listeners who want to find out more about our work or more about what we're doing to mark our 25th anniversary, please check out the National Literacy Trust website, which is www.literacytrust.org.uk.